welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van Tatenove, your host. Today's Friday, May 6th. It's going to be a beautiful weekend, I think. You ready for some good weather finally? I am. I mean, we needed the moisture. We always say that in Colorado, but we always do. But you know what? I'm really ready to just sit out on my deck, do some writing, enjoy the weather. My little brother just had uh, a new baby today, new little boy. So I want to say uh, congrats to Scotty and uh, and my family. We keep breeding, keep making more Van Tatenhoves. We're going to take over the world someday. Well, today we're gonna we're gonna go over. Uh, had some good news coming out of the Loveland Police Department. Well, good news for the citizens of Loveland and Larimer County. I don't know about whether it's all that good for the police. We're going to then uh, get into the hiring process uh, that's going on right now with the city of Estes Park for the captain position, not the chief position. A little confusing. The uh, We're going to be doing a big national search for a new police chief um, as Chief Kufield is, is resigning as of 6 p.m. today, I believe. Maybe it's 5.30. I don't know. Sometime this evening, he's officially um, retiring, not resigning, retiring, stepping down. Um, but we're going to bring in a big national headhunter company to uh, find a new chief. And that'll be later on. But this weekend, they should be making some decisions on the captain's uh, position that that is now open. I went to the uh, the meeting at the was at the Estes Park Museum the other day and uh, listened to some of the candidates. I talked to a lot of law enforcement personnel, so we're going to talk a little bit about kind of kind of the vibe I got from uh, other law enforcement officials in the in this town here of Estes Park and then within the county, and just kind of give you my two cents on on what I think is going on there. Um, I got a response to the city from the the town of Estes Park, from the PIO, Kate Roush, um, responding to my core request rant, weekend rant the other day. And um, I I wanted to read that. And and we're actually setting up a chance for Travis Mahulik, I think it's going to wind up being the uh, town administrator to come on next week. And we're going to talk specifically about core issues and you know, kind of how things are changing with the new legislation that's been passed over the last couple of years that we can avoid running into things like, you know, the internal affairs records are suddenly gone after 10 years, um, especially when we have an incident here in town. But, you know, the town, I got, again, I want to say, you know, I, I don't want people to think I'm I'm super down on on the town or the school district or anything like that. I just think that we, we need to look at doing things better. Um, and, and to be fair, like the town with the, the Captain Roasting has just, they did release things in a manner I have never before seen um, with a certain amount of transparency and openness. And, you know, it's a tricky subject. So thought it would be great to have a conversation, have uh, town administrator Travis Mahulik on again. And we're going to talk about that next week. Um, I got some some new uh Colorado Open Records Act releases from the school district over the past week. I'm going to go ahead and uh go over those. There's nothing there's nothing too big in there, 
but it does set kind of a tone and a precedent historically with some of the emails. Um, but there's no smoking guns or anything, but I, w- I just want to be open and, and uh, transparent. And, and I'm going to post those in the show notes of this show so that everyone can see them for themselves. And we're going to be uh, next week. I'm going to be talking about the, uh, the Covo case, the um, Jacobo Mendoza case. Now I've been covering this case really since the beginning. Um, and I thought it would be good to kind of recap everything from start actually before the start of the case um, to where we are now, because we have a disposition um, uh, hearing coming up later this month that I'll be going down for and uh, giving some updates there. Um, but I thought it would be good to kind of give the whole picture, the whole story. And I know that I do have some actual into this case just because of my daughter's friends group and and some, some interactions we had with Kovo before kind of everything hit the fan. So I'm going to go over that next week. That's part of the uh, the planned episodes coming up. Um, then we're going to finish off today's podcast with, um, I want to talk about some hopeful things. You know, it's kind of been a, a, a pretty awful Newsweek. And, you know, as, as, as much as we've got to kind of talk about some of these negative things that have been going on. I think it's just as important to talk about some positive things. And I wanted to, I know for me, I wanted to talk about the power that creativity, specifically like writing and science fiction um, series can have on, on really changing the world. And just bear with me on this one because uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give some concrete examples and, you know, I've been recently since the beginning of the year, I've been reached out to by a lot of different um, think tank type groups. Um, I'm going to be doing a, uh, Oh, a zoom lecture for a bunch of uh, nonprofit attorneys that are working towards um, trying to move past kind of this radicalization we've had on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, That's going to be, two weeks, I think. Um, and then I go out in June for the, uh, the Georgetown law, uh, speaking engagement in Milwaukee, but you know, it's been on my mind a lot because I have a lot of people, you know, big people that I, I don't know why they're, they're interested in asking me these questions and, and give me a venue to speak, but, um, they are. So I've been thinking about it a lot. And one of the, the best answers I have for like how we move forward is through good storytelling. And I think that st- Star Trek really in particular has, has really nailed this one down. So we're going to get into that after we kind of go over the local news uh, that's been happening. So we're going to have a little, the power of Star Trek to change the world. And um, you know, it already has to, to many degrees and um, a lot of technical innovation and just cultural revolution is, has come out of great storytelling and, and TV shows. I know going through the pandemic, like without Star Trek Discovery and and the new Picard reboot, like th- things would have been a lot rougher for me. So I want to talk about kind of how we might be able to to look at that and and see if we can use good storytelling to to affect change and plant seeds for the future. So that's kind of be what we talk about um, in the second half of the podcast today. So before we jump into the news, I want to. Uh, 
we're going to quick have Jenna McGregor on, who um, is one of my sponsors. She owns the Real Mountain Theater and the Historic Park Theater. And she's got, a, I talked about this last week, she's got a new membership program that's going to make things much, much affordable to go to the movies. I know that, oh, since the pandemic kind of lifted, I have been bitching to my family about just the costs of going to the movies that, you know, for me to take, oh, last time I took uh, my youngest daughter, Winter, and my my granddaughter, Annabelle, to the movies, just the three of us for tickets and um, snacks and such, it was like 65 bucks. And that just for me is something that that really is not a sustainable thing. But um, things are changing. There's a new membership program. So let's real quick jump in with Jenna McGregor. And I want to thank her for sponsoring the show. Um, And uh, she's going to tell us about her new membership program and some of the live events coming up. Just a real quick little interview. So we're here with Jenna McGregor, um, the uh, owner and operator of the two theaters in town. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the upcoming events that we have this month. Hi, everyone. So just wanted to tell you guys that we're really excited to bring back movies into town. We're sorry that things just weren't available to us in order for us to bring back the big shows. But the movie theaters and the companies didn't have a choice. So the movie companies just weren't putting out the big shows because they weren't having large numbers come out during COVID. But we're really excited. Um, we I did get to see like the first 15 minutes of Doctor Strange at CinemaCon last week, and it was awesome. And if you've seen WandaVision, you're going to be really excited to see this show because she's in it. Um, but anyways, it's going to be fun. We are going to do some early shows on Thursday, and then our full schedule starts on Friday. And we should have Doctor Strange for at least three to four weeks. So it's exciting. And I've heard that they're going to have they're going to be releasing the first trailer of Avatar during the previews of Doctor Strange. Yeah, we got to see that at CinemaCon as well. It was really uh, bright and vibrant. They actually had the the trailer in 3D for us, so we got to see it in 3D. It was just spectacular. I'm really excited for the new Avatar. Now we are also going to talk a little bit about your new membership thing. I had talked about this a little bit previously on podcasts a couple times. So why don't you just explain it for people? Because I'm sure I get things a little mixed up. Tell me, tell us, how does the membership work and, and, and when does it go into play? Sure. Memberships are really simple. Um, we've changed everything. Instead of going to a movie now and buying like a single ticket, it's almost like a gym membership where you can buy a whole month and you can see as many movies as you want that month. You could go see Doctor Strange, Bad Guys, and Northmen each three times if you want to, which are our movies that we have coming up this week. It doesn't matter what time you go to, you can go to all of them. So if you really feel like you need a movie day and it's raining outside, it's a perfect day for you to buy that membership and you can go to every movie all month. Adults are just $24. Seniors and students are only $19 and a child is only $14. So it only counts for your movie ticket. It doesn't count for any of your concessions, but we do offer our members a discount on the concessions. So you'll get a dollar off of a large popcorn or soda uh, if you're at the real, and if you're at the park theater, you get a dollar off of beer and wine as well. So it's kind of a extra benefit to being one of our members. It is a monthly membership. You can do the full year time membership, And if you do a full year, we actually knock another 10% off of the price. So it's even a better deal for you guys to to do that. And our 
goal is is that we don't want movies to have to be expensive for everybody to go see anymore. We want you to be able to get out and laugh and cry and everything in the movie theater with that cinematic experience all together so that you can experience the best sound with the best picture on the big screen. All right. Well, thank you so much. Everybody. You're welcome. We look forward to seeing you guys at the movies. We are appreciative that we were able to make it through COVID, and we're really excited to see people back and enjoying the entertainment that's uh, possible here in town. Okay, well, that was a word from our sponsor. And uh, so now we're just going to jump into the news out of Loveland, Colorado. So yesterday, a former Loveland police officer was sentenced to prison after taking a plea deal in connection to the um, the violent arrest of a 75-year-old woman in 2020. This is a story that I've been covering uh, since it broke. And um, you'll remember this woman was uh, a dementia patient. She had walked out of her supervised care facility and uh, meandered over to Walmart where she she picked up, I want to say it was like $17 worth of stuff and was walking back. She tried walking out with it. She didn't get out the door with it because uh, the Walmart employees called the police. And this officer found her on the way back and wound up really injuring her during the arrest process. You'll remember there was uh, a few different officers that were involved specifically with like watching the video at the jail and laughing about it. And um, thankfully, we're starting to see some things change a little bit. Loveland's got a lot of issues going on with it, with the police department. And um, at least we're starting to see some positive change moving this the, the, the right direction. So Judge C. Michelle Breingrar sentenced former Loveland police officer Austin Hopp to five years in prison, plus three years of parole, uh, according to the court documents. Hopp pleaded guilty to uh, one felony assault um, early in March uh, for the June 26, 2020 arrest um, of 75-year-old Karen Gardner. Um, as part of the plea deal, the other charges were dropped. Um, her arrest uh, was was publicized like a year later when Garner's family filed a federal lawsuit and uh, with the, uh, I want to say it's Life and Liberty law firm out of Loveland. It was kind of, that attorney has been kind of spearheading a lot of the, uh, the legal actions with the Loveland Police Department. Um. Yeah, it was $13.88 worth of items. And um, this is something that we see a lot in dementia patients. She was stopped by Hop and former officer Daria Jalia. Uh, body camera video went viral um, showing uh, Hop grabbing Garner's arm and pushing her to the ground. Um, they, they won the lawsuit. And uh, the lawsuit claimed the officers refused to provide any mental health assistance or medical care for her injuries, which included a broken arm and a dislocated shoulder. Um, and again, after the arrest, there was video leaked from inside the Loveland Police Department's booking area. And uh, it showed officers, you know, joking around about the arrest. And um, initially, two officers were placed on administrative leave. Um, they are no longer, thankfully, with the department. Uh, but we're not quite sure if they were fired or whether they resigned. Um, they were arrested in May of 2021. And um, I'm sorry, they, they they didn't actually win the lawsuit. The, the Garner family settled the lawsuit uh, for $3 million in September of last year. And um, 
So, yeah, again, we some good news there. So I think, um, you know, Loveland Police Department, we've, we've had incidences of, you know, pet dogs being shot and killed. We had a unstable young adult with, with um, cognitive issues who was shot and killed by the Loveland Police Department last year. Um, just a, a string of things that right now they're being sued for. Um, there have been a series of DUI arrests where the person who was arrested for driving under the influence, Blue Zero, had claimed he had not been drinking at all, no drugs, no nothing. Um, the officers brought them back to uh, get a blood test. There, there are no, there's no evidence of anything in this person's system, and they still haven't dropped the case. So there's a new lawsuit around that uh, that's going on. Um, and, uh, so at least we're getting, we're getting some, some progress, some forward progress. Um, in response to the sentencing Thursday, Loveland Police Department Interim Chief Eric Stewart said, the Loveland Police Department is grateful for the district attorney's diligence in pursuit of due process during this very important case. While this will not change a terrible treatment Ms. Garner experienced we hope that this sentence can bring some measure of justice to her and her family. Well, again, I've said it before, words are one thing, um, and, and they speak only so loud. And actions speak much, much louder. So we'll just see how things move forward with the uh, City of Loveland's Police Department. Well, and that's going to that's gonna tie us into our next, um, our next little bit of local news. And that is the hiring process for the city police here, the township town police for Esses Park, um, are hiring a new police captain. Not they're doing the chief too, but the captain is what they're doing right now. And uh, they had a, a meet and greet event where the candidates um, all kind of showed up and and told the uh, the gathered people there is probably oh, 30 people there and um you know we've got some local guys we've got sergeant jeremiah palucha um we have uh interim captain rick life and uh interim chief Corey paz and what i gotta say is we also had uh several different um potential hires from there was one guy from Commerce City. There was a gal from the Loveland Police Department, and honestly, I don't know if we need anyone associated with the Loveland Police Department right now, especially in a leadership position. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think really we need someone who has a local perspective, especially in the the captain position. And this is partially in part due to the fact that I think we're going to get a kind of an outside injection of influence with the um, the search for the chief of police. I think we're not going to have a local there. And I think, um, you know, honestly, the, the chief really needs to have a certain amount of um, almost like a CEO experience where you're dealing with a lot of budgets and, and numbers and just the running that that financial running, which I think... Um, you know, maybe in five years, um, someone like Rick Life could really move into that position in a great way. But 
you know, Rick's just been moved up from Lieutenant. Um, I think Rick does great. Actually, he's my top pick. Like he's the Rick life is the one I would like to see um, as the made the captain. And the reason being is I've, I've seen him engage in the community so much more than not that the other guys aren't great. They are. Um, but as far as community engagement, like seeing him down at protest rallies, just making sure everything's staying peaceful, um, you know, really working to when, when say there's someone that's working with uh, one of our mental health providers that needs a place to stay for a night. Um, I just see him working outside of the box and reaching out to, to the community um, more than the others. And that could be just my experience, but I think, I think uh, Rick life is the guy for this position. Um, that's going to be my two cents on it. I think, um, yeah, that, that, that's what I think. I think Rick life is the guy for the, the captain position. And I think he would make a great chief once he gets kind of that, that, upper echelon experience under his belt for a few years and um, could, could really be the, the chief of police in the future um, and, and do just amazing things there. So that's, that's at least what I'd like to see, but you know, I don't have much of a say in it. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so that let's just dovetail that into um, the response I got from the, uh, the town of Estes Park, the PIO, Kate Roush. And um, I mean, it's so telling that I can do a, a podcast here for a weekend rant, an opinion piece. And not than, you know, they just respond back to me in email. And I think that's great. It means they're, they're listening. They're listening to the voices in the community, bringing up concerns and answering them. And again, we should have a town administrator or someone within the town leadership coming on next week to talk more about this in depth because um, really this podcast is about community discussions, community conversations with the people who do know, because I don't know. I mean, I've got, I've got maybe a better view of some people than some people as to how things really work um, just from the experiences I've had, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just a guy podcasting out of my bedroom I'm, I'm engaged in the community. You know, I'm going out to different events and plugging in and, and trying to pay attention as best I can. And I'm, a, you know, a fairly rational thinking human being. But uh, I think it's always better to talk with the people who are in the know, that are in the trenches doing it. So we're going to do that next week. But I wanted to take the time to read the response that they had sent. And again, I'm just kind of, I love the fact that I can put out a podcast and actually have the town respond to me and, and, you know, open a dialogue and help correct me in the places I'm wrong. And, um, you know, still answer the hard questions and, and look at, at some of the concerns out there in the, the greater Estes Valley community. So I'm just going to pull this up and we're going to read what the response was. Hi, Jason. Hope you're enjoying the snowy day. I'm reaching out in response to the April 24th podcast on open records. I understand sharing your opinions is at the core of the podcasts and what makes them so interesting. There is some confusion, however, around some of the town and police department open record practices. I thought I'd try to help clear that up in hopes that it helps with future reporting. First and foremost, the town and police department strictly follow the Colorado Open Records Act. It dictates most of our practices, including what records are releasable, 
Records are released as allowed by Cora. Custodian discretion only comes into play when release of a record could be contrary to the public interest as defined by Cora. The instances of this are exceedingly rare. If release of a record is denied, the requester can petition the court to rule on the matter. Cora Title 24, Article 72, Section 3 dictates specific requirements for release of criminal justice or police records. And that's from the CRS 24-72-304 and 305. Section 2 dictates requirements for municipal records. And that's CRS 24-72-203 and 204. Now, this is something that I did um, and still do kind of take exception to. But we'll get into that next week. I just want to go over the response and give it the, the, um, the time and listening it deserves. So continuing on with the email, how quickly the custodian must respond. Cora requires a response from the custodian within three working days. CRS 24-72-303 and 203 dictate that. How long records are maintained? The Colorado State Archives is authorized by CORE to prepare retention and disposition schedules for the state agencies, municipalities, and counties, school districts, and special districts in Colorado. As such, the town has adopted the Archives Colorado Municipal Record Retention Schedule. This schedule outlines the documents the town and police maintain, how they are maintained, and the retention of each record. The schedule is used by 206 municipalities in Colorado, and you can find that in the um, archives of the Colorado State Government under records management. And um, I will go ahead and, and put this email into the body so people can read it for themselves and, and click on the links. Um, next, it goes on to what fees can be charged for producing copies of records. Fees are established by the custodian in accordance with the core guidelines not to exceed actual costs. It's based on CRS 24-72-205. And again, I don't that's something that I think um, we we should be discussing a little bit more as well. Now, keep in mind, folks, so some of this, as far as like the the retention, how long the records are are kept, um, that's changing because of the some of the legislation that happened last week. So that's another topic I hope to get into next week when we talk with um a town leader about this specific topic. Um, there was a few additional clarifications that, that she added, and it's at the town of Estes Park, custodians of the records are the town clerk, which is for municipal records, and the police department records technician, the criminal justice records. The PIO does not manage record requests. The town and police department strive to make the open records process as smooth as possible while we strictly adhere to CORA. We appreciate all feedback. Concerns cited in the podcast are primarily concerns with Cora and could be addressed by contacting a state representative. Chief Kufield is not resigning. He's retiring after nearly 35 years of public service. And yes, that's correct. He is technically retiring. So I was incorrect in my verbiage there. Um, the Jacobo Mendoza case was a Larimer County case, and that is correct, but um, I was specifically talking about wanting to get records because I have done some releases before about any prior arrests, prior interactions with the police department, um, because I think that helps to provide some background information as to what was happening previously 
um, because I had talked with with um, potential victims uh, during when the case first hit who had claimed that they had reported things and and just there were I just had some questions um, and that's something that I'm going to be digging into more. It's been a while just because it's been such a, a long period of time since court dates and they really weren't doing much with the court dates. It was all kind of the preliminary stuff. So I'm going to be doing some more um, some more releases. And what happens though, folks, is is a lot of times, um, you know, if it is a county case, even if there's interactions and whatnot, that case is active um, and taken by the DA, the DA will clamp down on what can be released. And that that doesn't allow us to kind of get that background information. If a court case takes two to three years to complete, well, that's a two or three year period of time where we may not have access to to previous records, even if they don't have to do directly with that particular case. So that's that's some of the issues. Um, she goes on, she finishes up the email with, please let me know if you have any questions or would like to discuss this further. Um, I let Travis know you were interested in talking about this recently, but he did not hear from you. Please don't hesitate to reach out so we can get, connect, get you connected with the experts on the staff. That's what we're here for. Thanks for hearing me out. And I responded back and, and thanked Kate and um, you know, I do, again, I do think the town of Estes does a pretty great job, but um, there are some things I'd, I'd like to to see done differently. And that's just part of being plugged into a community is, is uh, you know, seeing how we might be able to do things better. So I just want to take the time to, to read that and uh, talk about uh, what we had coming up and, and make sure that I gave equal time and voice to um, the responses coming back. And I sure appreciate the fact that the town would take the time to put this all together just on their own initiative and, and respond back. So um, I'm very thankful. So thankful. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for reaching back out. I, I, I really feel like we have a back and forth conversation when it comes to issues with town leadership that, that really, that says a lot in and of itself. All right, that's it for today with that particular topic. Now it's Friday. Let's have a little fun. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. And now I want to get into to something that has been on my mind a lot, especially during the pandemic and and having, you know, People like Mary McCord, who was a previous um, attorney general for national security and, you know, high level attorneys and, and journalists who have been asking me my thoughts on how we move forward when we are so divided as a country right now politically and, and how we might be able to do better. And it's something I've thought of on for a while and it'll, you know, it'll be part of my responses and these speaking engagements and such. So 
I really feel like we as human beings are kind of hardwired to be able to connect on a human emotional level with good storytelling. I think it just goes back to, you know, from, from eons back in the distance that, you know, we sat around our campfires or, you know, around the, the hearths and cabins and, and we told stories before we had TikTok and, you know, our iPhones and our iPads and our computers and our TVs and our radios we told stories to one another and those stories went on to to teach lessons about how to live life those stories gave us heroes which eventually became our our folklore and legends and myths and it's just something we seem to be hardwired to and i know that for me as a creator of of you know fiction stories and nonfiction stories, but specifically the fiction stories. I think, I think creators, writers, artists, um, you know, filmmakers, TV writers, we're, we're kind of space wizards in that we have the ability to plant seeds that can change societal norms, taboos that can inspire new technology and scientific discovery that through just the seed of, of those creative processes, we really have a way to manifest change in the world um, around us. And not just now, but, you know, into the future. I mean, if you look at the, the changes that Star Trek has done, it has helped to, to affect in culture, um, you know, that was way back in the, the late 60s when it first came out, that we're still seeing the the harvest of those seeds planted back then. And I know that recently, you know, I was giving examples of, of creatives and, and talking specifically about the writers of, say, Star Trek Discovery. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit specifically about the new show, which is hearkening back to the original series, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. That came out of the, the pilot came out on Friday and I just, I was blown away. Um, now I'm not going to admit openly over the podcast that I may have broken down into tears a couple times, um, but I might've. So, you know, I, I just felt this particular episode really struck to the nerve of where we are as a country right now. And so I'm going to go ahead and play just a little segment and it really won't spoil the episode for you. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to go out. You need to get Paramount Plus to see it. But uh, with Paramount Plus, you're getting you're getting the new Picard series, you're getting Star Trek Discovery, you're getting every Star Trek um, uh, series that's ever been from the original on and the movies and such. So for me, it's it's a no-brainer as far as you know getting that Paramount Plus. And again, Going through the pandemic and just the storytelling they did when, you know, we we felt so alone and, and disconnected from the world, those notions those, that kind of what we were going through communally really was reflected or echoed in the storylines that they presented when they presented them. And it just was this, this, this 
awesome thing. It really helped me personally get through the pandemic and, and, you know, use that time to move forward in better ways. So um, I want to just play this one clip and the premise, I'm going to give you the, the over the, the, the pulled out view of this. So I don't ruin anything for you. Um, and I probably will ruin things. So, you know, if you don't want to have any spoilers, just stop the podcast now, but I'm going to try my best. I'm really going to try this time. So, you know, this, this is dealing with a first contact issue in the realm of Star Trek. Now, this series takes place just previous to the original series with James C. Kirk. And if you remember back to the original pilots of the, the first Star Trek episodes, you had Christopher Pike, who was the captain who was kind of in that, that electric wheelchair and all burned up. And um, so it takes place right before that series. And actually, James Kirk and Spock and O'Hara they're all introduced in this first episode. Um, and it, it kind of spans between the, what was it? The third season of discovery right before they made the jump in discovery to the, the far future, when they were trying to save the, the, the galaxy from a, an event. And that goes into, you had, they introduced the new Christopher Pike and, and that his crew on the enterprise, the uh, original constitution class starcraft, um, and, uh, you know, went into kind of how Christopher Pike wound up being going from this, you know, young and, and promising, vibrant young captain to, you know, before his time being, um, uh, confined to a wheelchair and not able to really communicate well. Um, so it kind of, it's in that time span. So in this, it opens up kind of where, a little while after, I'm long long enough for Pike to grow a good beard. Um, from the end of that that discovery um, storyline, and uh, they have a first contact issue, and in that first contact issue, they come across a society very much like where we are now currently on planet Earth in this universe, and um, it's 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 a time of division and um civil war uh, on the verge of civil war on the verge of of just being divided in and further and i really think it it really ties into where we are now and there was a speech that was given by pike after he kind of reveals himself to these two factions that are ready to just go after each other with a newfound technology um and uh, basically, you know, it, it, it's an allusion to kind of where we are with with nuclear war and our world today. And I just thought it struck so, so well to, to you know, it just touched the nerve. So I'm going to play you just that little speech, if you'll let me indulge you, and, um, and let you just react to it on your own. So here we go. Here is the the speech that Captain Pike is giving to these two leaders of these these um, divided factions. Hi. Sorry to interrupt. I'm Christopher Pike. My world is called Earth, and though it's far from here, uh, my people and yours are uh, very much alike. This is my world today. Right. 
This is Earth in our 21st century. Before everything went wrong. It's a lot like your world today. Recently, I was treated to a glimpse of my future. It was not all I'd hoped. After all, what good is there in knowing your future? A friend of mine asked me that recently, and didn't understand what he meant. Until now. I've seen my future. Let me show you yours. Our conflict also started with a fight for freedoms. We called it the Second Civil War, then the Eugenics War, and finally, just World War III. This was our last day, the day the Earth we knew ceased to exist. What began as an eruption in one nation ended in the eradication of 600,000 species of animals and plants and 30% of Earth's population. Global suicide. What we gave you is the means to exterminate yourselves. And from the looks of you, you're going to do it. You'll use competing ideas of liberty to bomb each other to rubble just like we did. And then your last day will look just like this. Perhaps somewhere all your ends are written as indelibly as mine. But I choose to believe that your destinies are still your own. Maybe that's why I'm here, to remind you of the power of possibility. Maybe that's the good in, in seeing my future, that I might remind you that right up until the very end, life is to be worn gloriously. Because till our last moment, the future is what we make it. The future's what we make it. I can't tell you just how profoundly that speech affected me. And I think it's something the world needs to hear right now, which is one of the reasons I'm I'm putting it on the podcast. But I want to I want to talk about like I feel like one of the best tools we have in our toolbox for affecting real change is storytelling. And science fiction has just got a a huge tradition of this. If you ever want to see what the future is going to look like, you just have to look 30 years back in what was being written about in science fiction, the stories that were being told. Um, You know, this this is true from, say, the advent of the nuclear bomb to spaceflight. And and let's just just break this down a little bit, because when we're talking about Star Trek specifically, there are very real tangible things that we can say came directly out of the writing of Star Trek and the shows and, and just that creative process. So let's talk about some of the things that really came about and now are realities because of Star Trek. Now we can get into the cultural things, you know, the first interracial kiss ever on TV was between Captain Kirk and uh, O'Hara and, you know that that now is commonplace, but back then, man, that that was that was taking a chance. That was edgy, and it it helped to normalize all of this. Um, and and there's several examples of that, but let's just dial into some of the technical advances that we have gotten as a direct result of Star Trek. And I think it's just this magical process where you can plant seeds that in time will affect change throughout the world. So let's jump into 
to 10 things we're going to talk about right now that came about as a direct result of the Star Trek series and movies. So fully realized holograms. Star Trek's ultimate simulator, you know, the holodeck, which was introduced in the uh, the next gen series. Um, and it, it, we had a lot of different adventures, but it, it set the stage for various life, like virtual reality environments. And um, in a similar spirit, a team of scientists at, at Bill Kent University in Turkey has demonstrated the first realistic three-dimensional holograms viewable from any angle. Now we're seeing this more and more. We're seeing like Tupac holograms of Tupac on in concert shows. We're seeing the development of the metaverse and these new virtual reality worlds in social media. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's one thing that was a direct thing. Um, smart earbuds, um, you know, Kirk and the crew was using handheld translators to chat with uh, that that cloud alien in what was that episode, The Companion. Um, and uh, in a similar vein, there are now devices that translate conversation dialogue in real time. And they're being spurred by advances in artificial intelligence and cloud computing. Um, there was uh, kind of kicked off with the pilot smart earbuds designed by New York City tech startup Waverly Labs. And um, when it was at its launch stage, it could, they were Bluetooth head earbuds that could translate 15 languages, including Klingon, by the way. Um, so, and we see that today. You can use your, your, handheld tricorder your cell phone to do the same thing you could ask alexa to translate things for you um just alexa like being able to talk to a computer to set a reminder to pull up a recipe to um send an email message to set your sleep sounds and set your alarm in the morning we just talk to a computer much like mr scott used to in the original enterprise um the uh the mini ion dna tester um so back in the day, uh, Bones, who was Dr. Leonard McCoy, used his tricorder to diagnose medical conditions in, in, you know, instantaneously. Now there's a real-world handheld DNA tester called the Mini-Ion that can recognize the Ebola virus and genetically profile tumors and do a bunch of different other things. It's the size of a smartphone, and it's made by a UK-based company, Oxford nanopore technologies uh the device just needs a tissue sample from which to uh check out the dna it has to connect to a laptop but uh you know this is this could be a game changer moving forward and um yeah uh the next one we're going to talk about high-tech phasers so you know phasers were the like the laser guns of the day uh they streamed a pulsing energy that was discharged and could be adjusted. So, you know, you're either stunned or disintegrated. Um, and in reality, we're just probably a decade out from similar weight laser weapons and directed energy weapons. Um, you know, it's, uh, we're seeing it on, on aircraft carriers. Now we're seeing the military start to use things like that. Um, we're even seeing sound waves used for, um, you know, uh, civil disobedience, when you have civil unrest, um, non-lethal things that, that can be used. Um, 
the, 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 the technology is continuing to rapidly advance, says Rob Afzal. He's a senior fellow for laser sensor and systems at Lockheed Martin, uh, he told Tech Republic in an interview. And we're coming, continuing to work on the systems that you need to deploy a high-powered laser, make it effective like being controlled and getting it onto a platform, Afzal said. So, you know, it's not too long till we're going to have a handheld phaser. This one's pretty interesting to me, too. So, you know, you have your uh, impulse power, right? And and the Star Trek shuttles would uh, fly through space with the minimum of fuss and, and no apparent moving parts. And scientists have now created a similar craft that flies using no fuel. And it's using ion thrusters. They're silent, lightweight um, planes that are powered by a charged particles and and shoots it out it it, it it was developed by massachusetts institute of technology mit uh scientists mit aviation expert stephen barrett has said that he was inspired by star trek which he watched keenly at, during his childhood so you know we're, we're already seeing that i know nasa is looking at that type of propulsion system um we have uh the E-Site 3, which is uh, inspired by the next generation's Geordi LaForge, who was the blind, um, was he was uh, chief engineer, I think. Um, but he wore a device called a visor that provided him vision. And it was expanded far beyond what we could see normally with our own eyes. Um, similarly, there's now a, a headset visor thing called the eSight 3 that helps illegally blind see again. Um, the, uh, the visor features a camera that works with a high resolution display and optical prisms in the headset to restore sight to those with poor vision. I remember putting them on and looking up and I saw my husband who I'd been married to for eight years and had never seen before, said eSight 3 user Yvonne Felix in an interview with CNET. Um, now, we all remember the uh, Klingon bird of prey cloaking and decloaking. I think we first saw that, what was it in, uh, was it Star Trek Two? It might have been the original. I think it was uh, the second Star Trek movie. Um, but basically, their, their uh, bird of prey could be rendered invisible by a cloaking device that used selective bending of light. And now the Canadian National Institute of Scientific Research Innovators have built a device that can make things seem to disappear. The Canadian innovation is achieving this by tweaking the light wave frequencies in a technique that is known as spectral cloaking. So we also have in, uh, in the Star Trek universe, um, you know, what ships and, and stations and whatnot and then planets are protected by uh, shields, force fields. Um, that act as a shield. So now there's the British defense contractor, BAE Systems, um, is working to create something similar. Uh, they're calling it Laser Developed Atmospheric Lens, or LDAL, uh, which supposedly have the ability to deflect lasers aimed by aircraft, um, aim, or, sorry, aimed at aircraft by ground weapons. The LADL will do this by temporary ionizing the atmosphere to create lens-like structures that act as a refractive shield. The technology 
Um, and it, it, it may be battle, battlefield ready in 50 years. So again, long-term stuff. Um, the transporter, probably one of the most fantastical devices on uh, the Starship Enterprise and other Federation and Star Trek ships are, is a transporter, which beams a passenger from one spot to another instantaneously. Um, now, something like that's still very much in the realm of science fiction, but we're getting to the point now where a single atom can now be shunted from one spot to another. And this is according to the University of Maryland biophysicist Chris Monroe, whose lab contains an array of lasers, mirrors, and lenses spread across the table with the kit. Monroe and his team suck the guts from one molecule, the, the innards, um, and implant it essentially in atom in a second atom. Um, and from the perspective, the physics perspective, it's about the same as teleporting Adam A across the table. Um, and that was, uh, based on an NPR piece and that uh, we're seeing more and more with that with, with quantum entanglement, we're really getting into some teleporter type behaviors. The more we get into, um, the more we get into, uh, quantum physics and entanglement specifically. Now, of course, we have our, our cell phones and we have our tablets, um, which, you know, and, and Bluetooth and wireless technology, which also is very much inspired um, by Star Trek. So again, if we can plant these science fiction seeds, these storytelling seeds, and this is a long game, just like anything worth doing. It's going to take a generation or two to realize it. But I think we need to start planting seeds, much like the, the writers and creatives on the Star Trek franchise. I think we can begin to realize a world for ourselves in the future that looks much more like the, the, the Federation, the Federation of Planets that we can get past if we can survive this period. Because when you look at the timeline of, of Star Trek, we're right at the point in time where civilization collapses and all these great um, Renaissance-type uh, advancements happen after that. And, and, and so we have to get through. We're, we're just getting into the rough time now. The planet's rebelling. We're at each other's throats. There's so much division. And... We got to hunker down and not only survive this, but I think we need to plant seeds as we go. We need our creatives, our writers. And I know I try to do this in my science fiction writing and my, my other supernatural horror fiction writing. I'm trying to plant seeds uh, to talk about topics that may be easier to discuss in a fictional format, in a science fiction type scenario, rather than real world that we're inundated. I think there's something about science fiction that allows us to kind of pull ourselves out of the everyday life view of things and begin to plant seeds for change in the future. And it's not even us that are going to make the changes. It's, it's the kids growing up that will grow up reading these, these stories and seeing these shows and watching these movies, reading these books that are going to be inspired. And they're going to be the scientists and physicists and, and, you know, activists and politicians of the future who are saying, well, th there's a good idea here. Why can't we do that? 
Why can't we figure that out? Why does it have to be just science fiction? Why can't we manifest this into our real world and and begin working on it? So uh, I was just affected by that show and wanted to to really talk about that and have a discussion. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, well, it's a beautiful Friday afternoon. I hope you get out there and enjoy your weekend. Be safe. And I'll talk with you again soon. I'm Jason Van Tatenhove, and you've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade Podcast.